Hello, and welcome back. Today we talk about the New Kingdom, the successor to the Middle Kingdom, the um, Imperial Age of Egypt. In fact, this is the most famous uh, age in e Egypt. Um, when people think of, of Egypt, this is the kind of idea of the, of the um, Egyptian kingdom that they think of. Um, this is the one that will be in the Bible. Um, and it's the kind of most present. This is the kingdom of the Ramses. And the new kingdom is an imperial age. It is an age of warfare, of conquering other people. It is an age where um, the military strength of Egypt matters. And when we left off, Egypt had been broken up. Its noble nobility was fighting amongst themselves. The Hiskos were raiding, squatting, um, looting, pillaging, raping, stealing um, in northern Egypt. Uh, things were bad, and we left off with Egypt needing a hero, someone who could unite the Egyptians, humble the nobility, create a Mesopotamian army, because if you're going to beat up a Mesopotamian army, you're going to need a Mesopotamian army. Um, you need to organize the economy to pay for that army and then kick out the invaders. And the amazing thing is, the Egyptians get that. They start with Amos, A-H-M-O-S-E, who will do that, who will rally um, the Egyptians, organize them, unite them, build a new model army, a, a Mesopotamian type of army, and come down the Nile and kick out the Hiskos, beat them up and kick them out. So the New Kingdom is an imperial age that requires, is built upon, strong warrior kings. Legitimacy in the New Kingdom is based on military strength. So in the, in the Old Kingdom, it was built on pyramids. On the Middle Kingdom, it's built on culture and literature, plus infrastructure. The new kingdom is built on war and conquest. So they're going to rely on conquering strong warrior kings. Now, um, they'll get them. In the next 500 years, from about 1500 to 1000 B.C., the new kingdom will get a series of very strong, powerful, charismatic leaders. Uh, we'll have Amos, who will kick out the Hiskos. We get Tutmos III, who is kind of the first great invader. He will beat up on in Nubia. He will invade um, Israel and um, the Levant, the, the kind of Phoenician cities um, of Lebanon. The most famous of all is Ramses II, who will not only conquer Judah, but will march 800 miles and across two deserts up to the mountains of um, Syria to fight the Battle of Kadesh against the Hittites, a people so far to the north that um, they just, it was, Egyptians will, will actually not have words to describe the territory that they're, they're in. Um, when they hit the Euphrates, which is a river that runs from north to south, which is the opposite of the Nile, 
which runs from south to north, they don't know how to deal with that. They don't have words for that kind of river, and so they call the land, the Euphrates, the land where the river runs backwards. So we're, de we're dealing with a territory so far away. Ramses will take his armies so far away that it, it really kind of boggles the mind of the people who were in this army. Um, they just didn't have the words to kind of comprehend where they were in the world. And that's not to mean they were dumb people. It's to mean they were just outside of their experience. Um, you see this plenty of times in armies that, that go off to fight long, long, far away. Um, you know, that they just, the, the Greek army, when it hits India, just had no concept of what they were, were dealing with. This was a whole new realm for the Macedonians and Alexander the Great. And the, the words that they had, the concepts they had of the world, just didn't apply anymore when they hit India. Um, so this, this is not an, it's, this isn't a sign of like a stupid people. This is just a sign of they're really taking, the leaders are taking people to the edge of their understanding of just what they experience in the world. So we get Amos, we get Tutmos, we get Ramses II, we get success. The new kingdom is successful. It will beat up the Hiskos, kick them out. Egypt will be free, it will be united, and what they start to do is conquer others. Because one reason the idea is we got invaded. Well, we can't let that happen again. How do we not get invaded again? Well, we beat them up before they attack us, before they beat us up. You heard these words, in, and this is, this is what powerful states do. The United States, uh, George W. Bush said it about Iraq. Um, plenty of, of rich states have said it about other states. It is better to fight them over there than to fight them here. Um, my period of specialty, uh, Sweden in the 1600s, is exactly, is an entire century of this kind of thinking. It is better to fight them outside of Sweden than to wait for them to invade Sweden itself. Um, and so this is what successful, powerful states, rich states do. They, they say this, and then they do it. You know, the Romans do the same thing plenty of times. It's, it's a whole part of beating up, of why the Roman Empire keeps expanding. It's, well, they're out there. These are enemies. These are barbarians. We better beat them up. Otherwise, they could invade us. So what we have is success. The conquest of others, which brings in wealth and knowledge, because in conquering other people, you suddenly realize, one, you can tax them. You could loot them. You could take their money. But you also realize, wow, look at all the technological stuff they have that you can then take. Um, you also get a reputation that for the first time, Egypt becomes a great power. Egypt was always wealthy. Egypt was always important. But for the first time now, other kings have to deal with the Egyptian pharaoh. Other kings, whether you're a Phoenician um, lord, merchant lord, you're um, a Judean Israelite king, or you're even later on the kings in Babylon, you had to, before you did anything big, you had to go, well, what is the Egyptian pharaoh going to think about this? And am I going to have a problem with him later on? That didn't happen before. Egypt had its, had its deserts. It was perfectly happy staying on its own. Now it's going to use its money, turn it into military power, and now it's going to thrust itself into, into Mesopotamia. 
into the Mesopotamian world and beat people up. Um, they're not bad conquerors, though. This is the thing about the Egyptians. They, they knew they, they didn't, couldn't own these other places. They weren't like the Romans. They weren't going to occupy it. Um, in fact, we're going to talk about this as one of the disadvantages. Egyptians didn't really like leaving Egypt. And so these garrison duties and what Egypt wanted was not to be invaded. And so Egyptian pharaohs were perfectly willing to make allies of people, to show up and be like, hey, will you just tell me if anybody bad is on their way? And people, kings would say, or lords would say, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, no problem. And so you get alliances. The Phoenician cities of Lebanon were practically Egyptian in their economy, in their culture, in their, in their attitudes. So, uh, in fact, it's going to be the Phoenician navies that are going to be the, the big kind of um, help to New Kingdom pharaohs. And so, unlike, say, the Romans or even the Persians, um, the Egyptians had a light. It appears that the Egyptian New Kingdom had a light footprint. That doesn't mean it was weak. It just didn't want to occupy every square inch of the territory. They had a very specific purpose, which was not to get invaded. And if you were a friend of Egypt, they were perfectly kind of happy with that. So we have the success. So knowledge goes up, wealth goes up, reput Egypt's, Egypt's reputation goes up, Egypt is freed from the Hiscos, life is good. This is a wealthy, wealthy age for Egypt. There are problems, though. The first is that these new armies are expensive. This is going to pour a lot of money into these armies. These are big armies, 20, 30, 40,000 troops that are highly advanced technologically. Um, this is Mesopotamian technology, chariots, compound bows. You need the war horses to pull the chariots. Um, you need all the stirrups, not the stirrups, you need all the, the harnesses, the leather working. You need the metal working to build not only the chariots, but you need the woodworking, um, and wood is in, in short supply in, in Egypt, so you have to import all this stuff. Um, you're going to have to build the, the wheels, um, the arrows. You need the metalworking for all the swords and the spears. That These are big armies with advanced technology, and Egypt has to catch up quickly. And so these are expensive. The second thing is they require strong A-plus leaders. And the problem with that is when you get them, when you get a Ramses III, a lot of good things happen, if you're the Egyptians, of course, but a lot of things can happen. But they're fairly rare. Strong, A-plus, charismatic super leaders in the history of the world are fairly rare. You know, so... You need... It relies, the entire New Kingdom governmental imperial system relies on having a strong, willful leader who can organize and lead military people. But there's plenty of kings who come along who are pharaohs who say, hey, you know what I like to do? Stay in the hot tub. Have myself some fun. Gamble a little bit. I don't want to go 900 miles across two deserts, three years of walking to go fight the Hittites. 
and then turn around. I don't want to do it. So what they'll do is send others. So when you get a strong A-plus leader, things are very good. The problem is, is that in the, it's an entire system reliant on having these guys, and they don't always show up. And when they don't show up, things can fall apart. You lose, you know, there's a revolt in Southern Kush, and the guy goes, well, I could go nine, I could go a thousand miles up the river or stay here and have a good time, eat grapes. Hey, you know what? Joe, why don't you go? Go do what you want. Go fight those people. Go do something. I'm going to stay here. Tell me how you do. You delegate, which... You know, leaders do. That's fine. But this is a system where leaders aren't supposed to delegate. Leaders lead from the front. Leaders show how awesome they are. And so if leaders don't show how awesome they are, they kind of lose that reputation. So, so there's that problem, that the, the government is reliant on a rare resource in terms of leadership. The third thing is that it puts Egypt out in the world for the first time. Um, the Hiskos invasion is, is, is a one-off. It's, it's rare. It's unique, actually, in, in Egyptian history up to that point. And Egypt wasn't invaded by people over and over and over again up to, up to the Hiskos. Dealing with others weren't a problem. Now, Egypt is now out in the world. They have to be taken considered consideration of. They are a powerful people. The Egyptian pharaoh could show up and beat you up. Um, but now people also know where Egypt is how much power Egypt, the Egyptian pharaoh has, how much wealth the Egyptian pharaoh has, and Egypt is now going to be a target. If you're a Babylonian king, if you're an Assyrian king, if you're a Hittite king, um, invading Egypt, the Persian king as well, Egypt is now a wealthy land. That's a, that's a natural enemy. It's an out there. It's going to be competition. So if you got the money and the power, why not invade it? If you could conquer Egypt, if you just beat up Egypt into submission, into, into a stalemate, you still win because Egypt will just go behind its deserts and kind of shut up for a while. But if you can invade Egypt and conquer it, you get a hell of a lot of money. And so from this point on, we're going to see Egypt constantly being invaded by other people. Um, it starts with Libyan kings, but it will go to Kushite kings or Kushite kings and then Libyan kings. No, Kush, Libyan kings and Kushite kings, then the Assyrians, then the um, Persians, then the Greeks, then the Romans, then the Arabs. So, and then the Turks later on, uh, much later on. But there's going to Egypt is constantly going to be reconquered by somebody else. It's always on the kind of menu for great conquerors. So Egypt becomes a target because of this. And the Egyptians are not an imperialist people in their attitude. Egyptians had a good life. They liked living in the Nile, being protected by their deserts, doing their thing, being wealthy. You know, life was good. War sucks. And so they didn't want to go 400 miles, 1,000 miles across a desert, be gone for a couple years. They didn't want to do that. In fact, we see this in the religion. You couldn't get into the afterlife if you were buried outside, if you died and were buried outside of Egypt. Well, that's not good if you're at war, invading the Middle East. That's not an imperialist attitude. 
An imperialist attitude would be the opposite. You get in, like, you know, the Vikings with Valhalla. You get in because you are a great warrior, because you died far from your homeland. That would get you. If you're an imperialist people in your kind of gut, in your soul, your afterlife would welcome death in war. The Egyptians really didn't. And so if you have a weak leader, a, a, a leader who's not big into conquering other places, he's not going to inspire you know, a whole lot of, hey, well, let's go out on our own and let's go beat up other peoples anyway. So what happens? Well, if you live by the sword, you end up dying by the sword. And this isn't, this, the collapse of the New Kingdom is, is, they don't bring it on themselves. This is part of the Bronze Age collapse, which we've already talked about. Um, something happened out in Central Asia that started the nomadic peoples moving, and nomadic peoples bumped into other nomadic peoples, which bumped into Central Peoples. And between 1250 and 1000 BC, things fall apart. A combination of weak kings, unwilling people, equaled imperial domains begin to become independent. They bring in the breakaway. They say, thank you very much, Egyptian pharaoh, but we'll do things on our own. And Egyptian pharaoh says, oh, yeah, I'm not going to try. Okay, fine. I don't care. And then around 1050 BC, BCE, uh, they get invaded by the Sea Peoples. We're not exactly sure who they are. Um, there's a thought that they're Greeks, that they're proto-Greeks. Um, they could be Phoenician peoples, um, again, warrior pirates. Um, but they invade Egypt from a direction the Egyptians hadn't thought they would be invaded, and that was the sea. And these guys come in with their new weapons, their iron weapons, and just smash the new kingdom. Now they loot it, and then they leave. So there's not much even in the Egyptian sources about these people. Um, but they kind of, they wreck the house. They come in, they kill the pharaoh, they destroy the new kingdom, um, and they kind of wreck the place for a while. Uh, and these people come by sea. The Egyptians had been invaded from the Hiscos by land, so they expected a land. They were always looking towards the land as, their, as the invasion point. Um, here come these new peoples, these, these mobile, Bronze Age collapse peoples, nomadic peoples, who come in and just wreck the place, and they come in by sea, they land, and just destroy the place. Um, and that's kind of the end of imperial Egypt, of New Kingdom Egypt. It dies in, um, it dies a bloody end. Egypt will recover, but increasingly it will recover under foreign kings, not Egyptian pharaohs. Um, foreign military elites, Libyans, Kushites, um, and then this will lead to invasions by strong Mesopotamian peoples, the Assyrians, the Persians, the Neo-Babylonians. Um, there's at least a series of wars with the Neo-Babylonians, the Chaldeans. Um, I don't believe, I, the, the Chaldeans, I don't believe, actually invade Egypt or conquer it. Um, but the Assyrians do for a short time, and, and the Persians do for several hundred years. So from this point on, um, other people are going to dominate the wealth of Egypt. This is the new kingdom. The death of the new kingdom is the end of Egyptians running Egypt in Egyptian ways. So it's kind of sad. Um, Egypt will play a large role in the rest of our chapters. We're going to talk about the Hebrews next. But will play a large role in Greece and Rome and um, Islamic, um, Arab, and both Byzantine 
world and the um, Islamic Arab or Arab Islamic world. So Egypt is going to be a player in the rest of this course. Um, it just won't control its own destiny. So we will leave there and we're going to finish Egypt. Congratulations. And from here, we move on to our last people in part one, the ancient Hebrews. Thank you.